Retain Podcast. How's it going, everybody? This is Jay Nathan. Welcome to the Game Grow Retain Podcast, I should say. Got Jeff Brunsbach here as well, um, who usually hosts this, but he's letting me take a shot at it and, and improve my, my skills. And today we've got a very special guest, Peter Armley. Uh, did I say it right, Peter? You actually, actually said it perfectly. Thank okay, you. okay, good, good. I should have asked you that before we started recording. But uh, so Peter, Peter and Jeff and I have been uh, friends for I don't know, a couple of years at least. Couple years. Yep. Um, it's you know it's really cool. All the friends that I feel like we have a lot of friends that we've made through LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, and Peter's definitely one of those we've never met in person, but uh, we I feel like we know you really really well and. Um, and just looking forward to chatting with you. So Peter is the Senior Director of North American Customer Success at Oracle. So in our prep conversation for this, uh, there's some really cool things going on there at Oracle. Um, and, and I think the thing that's most interesting is that this is customer success at scale. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll let Peter dig into that a little bit more. But what we're going to be talking about what initiated our chat was this whole idea of how do you really drive leadership through customer success and how do you expand what you're trying to do from a customer success perspective through building leaders in the organization. So um, Peter, welcome to, to hanging out here with us. It's good to see you. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Good to see you again. And, and Jeff, nice to see you again, too. I think the last time Jeff, you and I spoke, we were actually on some sort of a panel a few months ago. Oh, nice. That's true. Yeah. That's great. All right, we got we got an icebreaker question for you, Peter. Sure, before we sure. get started, and I didn't prep you for this. I'm no, you didn't. <laughs> uh, all right. So the icebreaker question is: Besides customer success, what Jeopardy category would you absolutely just dominate? I think, you know, ironically, since I'm Canadian, I think American history. Oh wow, <laughs> that's funny. I love that you said took, ironically because I'm Canadian. I, I took it and I, I took a I took university and in, in university political science and history, and I kind of minored in American history and, and the Civil War. So it was kind of oh cool. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah. Very, very impressive. What made you want to do American history out of curiosity? Well, I, I grew up in a border city, and okay. most of my upbringing was just bombed with American media, and I was just fascinated by the politics of your country and stuff. So. Yeah, we are too at times. All right, second second icebreaker question. What's your favorite fruit? My favorite fruit? Oh, really good one. Um, I'd say mango. Oh, and after in my own heart. Yep. Anything you can eat in a bathtub, like a mango or a juicy peach, it's fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> good one, Jeff. Have you heard that one before, Jeff? What's that? Have you heard that one before? Uh, I've had, let's see, mango I've gotten a couple of times. I recently just got peach for the first time. I also recently got grapes. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, I think Miranda Dazonsky, Dekonsky. Um, yep. She she had a good one that I had. Uh, she had cantaloupe, which nobody had really said before. Oh, I'm pretty oh, sure. I is might that be. a fruit? <laughs> yeah, it is a fruit. Eh? I think it is. But <laughs> it's like a vegetable to me, but whatever. Um, but yeah, there's, there's been some, some good ones, um, for that too. I think the other, I like your icebreaker question though, Jay, I'm going to steal that the jeopardy category. That's it. I stole it. I stole it from somebody else. So I, it was in one of these, uh, daily newsletters. And I, whenever I see it must, it was the hustle or something they were interviewing like, that is a good question. I'm sorry. It is a good one. Yeah. Here's, here's another one that I've gotten recently. Um, and you know, we'll see, we'll see if, uh, if uh, Peter agrees or not, but uh, what's the, what's the one thing that is not, or what's the one thing that's on your calendar that you wish wasn't? Oh, oh this oh could be dangerous. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, there's a meeting tomorrow, a global meeting. <laughs> yeah. I figured, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to get a lot of responses on that one. You know. Yeah. By the time this airs, that meeting will be long. Oh yeah, that's past. nobody yeah. will even know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, let's jump in. So, Peter, when we talked last time, you were telling me about a leadership development program that you're starting to put together for mm-hmm. the customer success org at Oracle. But why don't you talk a little bit first about what that org looks like, how it's structured, the size, that kind of thing, so people understand the scale we're talking about here. Yeah. Sure. So. Um, yeah, because we're talking something big here, and and I'll say that in its present iteration, this organization is really only a year old. Uh, we've gone through various. It's important to to talk a little bit about the history because um, under Catherine Blackmore, my boss, 
um, this organization has moved from executive under different executives. So from, from support to sales uh, and, and then to services and now to under that we're under product now. And it feels to me um, where Oracle is at in its mission around uh, increasing its share, market share of not just cloud, but the cloud application space and truly taking ownership of that. Uh, it makes sense for us to be in the product um, area because we're really tight now with the development team and, and support. And so we're really getting really more uh, intimate um, and being, and so it's forcing us to get the CSM really much more up to speed about being conversant with the product and stuff. And so um, what, it, what it means is that we're growing our organization really, really well now, really big in a big way because uh, Oracle's doing really well in the market. The, the, the uh, quarterly earnings are quite good. And so we got budget now to do a lot of hiring. And so we're doing that in North America, but we've also created, um, we call it our Romanian hub team. Um, it's, it's getting quite large. And the Romanian team is just part of our organization. So we've got peer managers and peer directors and all that kind of stuff and CSM being hired. And they're focused on uh, the, the lower segments of the market. Uh, the North America CSMs are focused on the top tier, highest ARR value customers. And, and so what that means is that um, the teams are growing. We have a mandate actually from our EVP of product that he wants all of our accounts covered. Um, and so that's going to force us in the next year, year and a half, to figure out how to cover about 7,000 customers. And we're not there obviously yet. Um, we're probably covering about maybe 15%, 18% of that. Wow. Um, so we got a lot of growth ahead of us. We have to do it not through um, hiring exponentially. We have to do it yep. through digital practice and, and not just like, I, I like what, um, uh, what ESG just said on on uh, on LinkedIn, uh, some people think of digital as just like spammy marketing. We don't either. Um, we think of it as really sophisticated touch engagement and all that kind of stuff. And so we have to figure out how to scale uh, the high touch uh, model through the conventional means of customer success managers, but also build out a really sophisticated digital touch as well and have the Romanian team kind of fit in the middle with the higher ratio account load, say like one to 20 or something like that. Yeah, um, Peter, so real quick, can, sure. can you, I know like at the top end, we're probably talking about multi seven figure kind of deals. That's right. But yeah. Give us a sense on the low end, like what the, you know, what you don't have to be too sure, sure. way, but like, what are we talking about in terms of contracts? Yeah, like under 250K ARR. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, these are reasonable size accounts that. Yeah, still, still good size, still yeah. important. Obviously, everything, everyone's important. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we're a business. We have to figure out where to put our energy. Yep. Um, that makes the most sense. Right. And um, so, so back to uh, where this is coming from. Now I'm, I was, I kind of raised it with Catherine. I said, I think we need to pay a lot more attention to helping our leaders, our managers, not just to manage, but to lead. And I see the two things as kind of distinct. So managing in my mind is being able to manage a team operationally, making sure everyone has clarity about their role and what they're, how they fit within kind of the mission of the organization, but also of the team and, and how, how can they kind of get their arms around their portfolio of customers and execute the service model and all that kind of stuff, right? That's managing and, and doing the kind of the day-to-day -day time management and all that kind of wonderful stuff that's critical. But leadership is different in my mind. And that's what separates uh, fantastic managers from kind of just the average manager. The fantastic managers will have a kind of an eye to seeing what's ahead, working well with senior executives, really kind of better kind of a strategic kind of um, brain that is trying to help their team understands, yeah, you're doing the job great, but we need you to grow in these ways um, because the business is growing this way. The business is evolving this way. We have to figure out how to kind of evolve the way you deliver the service um, and, and how you're going to grow as an individual to kind of be with us because we'd love your contributions to keep growing and being um, as impactful as they are today five years from now. So um, that's the leadership dimension, I think that um, is really critical in the customer success landscape. And I say that because I think customer success, we're all in this business together. We've been at it 
in, in high energy fashion in the last, especially the last three or four years, I would say it's really generated a lot of juice out in the market. Um, but I feel like, um, you know, customer success management is, is, has to be more about leadership now because we keep saying it's like really critical function in companies. And I think a lot of companies are finally getting that and realizing, yeah, customer success is important. But in now I feel like the imperative is for the managers and, and leaders to really step up and be more visible and vocal about not just wanting more responsibility or respect or all those things, but to, but to demonstrate how they're gonna incorporate um, you know, kind of the strategic dimension into their daily kind of operating rhythm. And you know, I'm kind of being a little bit vague, but that kind of is the overarching overview of how I'm thinking about the program. So I look at it as two dimensions, operational. And I just, I talked about that a little bit, which is managing. And then the, the second half of that um, overall development program is, is strategic. And, and I think, again, I see them as managers and leaders, but the two should work together. The two kind of brains should work together. And so um, as, I'm, as I'm, I'm just starting to build this, um, getting approvals and all that kind of stuff, but I've kind of sketched it out as operational is really um, how a manager manages the team of customer success managers. So we're just talking about the high touch now. The digital piece, you know, obviously would be a little bit different because you're talking about a different kind of profile of person who's operating the model. But let's talk about the high touch customer success managers who historically have been relationship-based, um, you guys know this, um, because you're, you're, all, you're always talking to people in the community about this, yeah. you're, you're engaging in a big way, right? All the time, your wonderful kind of posts that you put out there, you generate a lot of interaction, a lot of conversation, which is really beneficial. But all those people in that audience are the ones I'm talking about, those CSMs and managers who have to figure out how you're going to deliver the, the service to customers and drive successful outcomes um, in a programmatic way. And right. back to what you said at the beginning, Jay, we're talking about that scale. So our challenge is always, how are we gonna scale this kind of effort um, so that a CSM in, a, in, a, in our high touch model, they all, they all have eight accounts. These are large customers with sometimes multiple different products. So they might have ERP or HCM and HCM, or they might have some of our CX solutions like Service Cloud or Marketing Cloud and all those things. And so the CSMs kind of are forced to figure out how am I going to support these mm -hmm. customers who have varying kind of needs. And that, that um, you know, causes the manager to, to help be, be in a position where they have to help um, guide and coach. Um, and that's all part of the manager's job. So I always, uh, when I talk to people about managing, I always go back to when I first became a manager about 20 years ago, my VP called me and said, uh, congratulations for taking on the, the, the most difficult job in the entire company. And, and I, I kind of I still believe that, that managers, and it's not just because stuff flows from the top, all that saying that people have, um, it's actually because that's where um, strategy actually has to be proven um, yep. through the frontline individual contributors. If, it, if that doesn't happen, if that synapse doesn't connect, then, you know, the strategy doesn't mean anything, right? So I think the manager's job is super critical to actually make sure that that last mile of strategy actually runs and executes. And so that's how I'm kind of thinking about the, the leadership development program is, is that operational dimension all about uh, you know what are the goals of the team? What are the goals of the individual? You know the goals of the team would be I guess manages manages this uh, specific set of portfolio of customers, make yep. sure that um, the service delivery model um, has specific milestones that the customer needs to achieve, and and how is the CSM going to be measured um, over a span of time? to see if those those milestones are being achieved so using tools you know we've we've looked at a lot of third-party tools but at the end of the day oracle is oracle they like to build their own stuff so oracle's built a customer success platform which is pretty pretty sophisticated uh, oh, frankly. Wow. and i've got a lot of experience in this kind of tools business now and i'm really impressed at the iterations that's gone through to the point where now 
we feel like we're just about at the place where managers can run their business from this platform. And CSM should be able to come in on a daily basis and just operate their, their business of working with their customers off of data and you know playbooks like a lot of companies do deploy these things. But it feels uh, gratifying to us to have to uh, you know work with the product teams to build this thing. And now it's at a place where we're actually, we're really optimistic. It's going to bring a lot of results. That's cool. That, that address that operational piece that I'm talking about. Y'all gonna- There's a- you gonna sell oh, sorry, it? Go ahead, Jay. You gonna sell the, the customer success platform? Uh, I haven't heard that yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> <And> everybody else. <laughs> there's two. There's kind of two two questions that come to mind for me. Um, the first one might seem a little uh, off the beaten path, so I'm gonna maybe describe why I'm why I'm thinking about this. When you started describing those two things, right, operational and kind of the the managerial pieces, and then also thinking about leaders differently, uh, I think I've I'm definitely. A believer in that. I think Jay is, has solidified that for me too, like interacting, engaging with Jay, right? He talks a lot about how you don't need to be a manager to be a leader, right? That's a, that's the differentiation you start thinking about and trying to make sure your teams right. can kind of influence on your teams. The other thing as you were describing that, and this is where my, it might feel like an odd question, but I feel like, uh, and this is, or let me ask the question first, and then I'll, I'll tell you what I was thinking. But in your opinion, are leaders sometimes lonely in organizations like are they do you feel like there it's a lonely place to be when you are you're a leader in an organization and then maybe answer that actually i would love to know both of your responses to that um and then i'll maybe explain why i'm thinking about that after you what you kind of talked about peter yeah that's a really interesting question jeff and i guess i can make it a little personal i feel like i i'm a leader i am a i'm actually a specific manager too i have a small small team for enablement um so i manage but I'm more of a leader in the sense that um, I'm responsible for the whole program, but I'm also looked upon by senior people as someone who's got a lot of industry knowledge that they'd like to tap into. So I get brought into a lot of conversations, strategic conversations. Um, but in a sense, um, you know, I agree. I, th- I think it's true. I think being a leader can be, lo- you said lonely, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and it's because I think leaders like genuine leaders are very curious. They're always thinking of um, how things can improve. Um, they're, they tend to be, and I'm not, I'm trying to not be boastful at all. I'm just yeah, about to yeah. say, generally speaking, leaders are courageous and that's what the lead, that's what it means. You're ahead of things, right? Yeah. So I think the way you think is you're passionate about your role, your, the impact you potentially have, and you'd like to kind of hopefully you're, th- you're thinking really altruistically, meaning that you're doing it for the company, for the organization, and not so much just for your own advancement, although that's nice. Um, I think I think a leader in that sense, because you're out front and oftentimes voicing an idea, maybe people have thought of, but haven't really articulated in their own minds the clarity of it, but you have, so you're standing out. So, uh, and sometimes, you know, you have to kind of suffer some slings and arrows, which yeah. brings me back to that global meeting. I'm not looking forward to tomorrow. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, yeah. The reason why I asked it as you were talking about it, right. It's, I think the, I think sometimes, I think sometimes people have trouble being a leader because what they start to realize is that you kind of have to operate in two realities. One, which is we have to get work done in the here and now, like the operational pieces a lot yes. of times, yeah. Hey, we need to make sure that these things run, but I also need to live one year, two year, three years in the future and be asking myself, how am I going to make sure that our company is staying ahead, sure. that we're you know, doing things that are going to be innovative and pushing things? And so when you operate in that one to two to three years ahead, you're trying to describe realities that might not be true yet. You're trying to bring people along. And so that's why I, I was just curious uh, if you thought about it the same way, just because I think you know, sometimes uh, leaders, leaders absolutely. find yourself in a lonely place. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because yeah, getting, being that, thinking that far ahead, it's exciting, but it's also terrifying in the sense that... Um, you have to really be strong. If you really believe in it, you have to really be strong um, and try to persuade people to, to that point, a particular point of view. And, and sometimes it, it's, it's not gonna work. And, and sometimes it's, it's, when you think about it, it's, it's almost, it's more peaceful to not be a leader because you, know, you can do your job and you can do it great. But if, you, if you're not concerned about advancing some idea, 
or a notion that you believe in really passionately, then you can be at peace. My, my concern with that sort of strategy is, is it's entirely about the future of, you know, your role relevance. I think, yeah. I think to be really relevant in this business world these days, you've got to really, it's like everyone needs to lead in a sense. You yeah. really be no, that's right. That's exactly right. I think we have too few leaders yeah. in, in the world. And if you, if you, I mean, if you look at any management team, if you ask any executive, what's the one thing they need people to step up and lead underneath them. And sometimes we don't do a great job of enabling it. Right. And that's on that's us. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, some of the things you said, Peter really resonated because if you sort of back up a little bit, customer success really sits at the center of everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny that customer success, it, I, the word hot potato came to mind for me uh, when you described the different places that, that customer success has been in the order trying to find white home. Yeah probably not fair, but like the, the fact that it, it does, it is at the center of what happens from the sales and go to market perspective. It is the center of what happens from the product, which is part of, part of go to market, uh, the engineering side of things, the, the, the finance side of things, it all sort of centers around the, the customer. So that can be a very, very difficult place to be, which is why it's even more important in my mind that we have strong leadership in customer success. And I think there's a big difference between customer success in a startup where you're just really focused on taking care of customers and customer success at scale, where you're taking care of people first, the people on your team first, so that they will treat the customers well. And then you know that's going to help the business in the long run, which is what we're all in this for, right? We want the yeah. business to do well. I want the, our business to do well as our people grow, as our customers reap the benefits, because then it's a beautiful, virtuous thing. So just, yeah. you know, that, Jeff, that, those are my two cents on it. But yeah, I mean, it's a lonely place to be because sometimes we see the where things are off the rails and we know we have to step in to, to solve for those things. And, and sometimes we're the only people with those opinions and I can see all those pieces coming together. So it can be an awkward place. Yeah, and, and I would just add that in, in large, can be mentioned with startups and that's true. Uh, I think in large um longer term been around longer term companies like oracle and a a number of other large enterprise vendors i think it's safe to say a big part of the customer success leader's job is is actually um internally um evangelizing um and it shouldn't be left up to the catherine blackmores uh, um, you know, obviously she's doing a, a great job at that at the senior level, but there's so many other uh, layers of a company that need to understand um, about how, why it's critical for every role in a company to think about the customer as, as the primacy, as the middle yeah. of, of why they're in their role. And, and someone's got to do it. And I feel like customer success, because of its proximity to the customers, and access to data and, and that on the goals of the customer is the best position to be that internal kind of educator, evangelist, whatever, you know, and that's, and again, that's back to being lonely because you're standing out as an organization, you're standing out as a leader. So I get invited to a lot of internal meetings by, from other teams like sales teams or services teams to talk about customer success to, to their credit. They want to learn. Yeah. Um, and, but it, it all boils back, goes back to the leaders of all these organizations trying to kind of figure out alignment around this stuff. But, but I like to think of it as, well, I'm, I'm attacking, a, maybe attacking is not the right word. I'm addressing certain layers and just trying to persuade people around to get a particular point of view about the customer. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think the, the reason why I just brought that up too about being a leader is I think, um, Again, I think the the notion, if we're living in the future, right, is that we're programmatically looking at customer success more and more as becoming a part of that future. And I think when you looked at people saying, "Hey, we're we're doing digital customer success," if they if you would have said that, you know, in the last number of years, a lot of it really was like, "Hey, we're just creating some triggered emails and we're yeah. you know sending this," and it's kind of happening, right? Now, when you start looking at that future, it's very different, right? We have such a different tool set. We've got in product notifications, we have email, we have text messages, we've got so many notifications and kind of distribution channels. Now we have to think, be thinking about um, AI and how do we deliver mm-hmm. real content that's in real time and the right content? And do we have all the content created? And so when you start living in that future and you start thinking about that, that's where I, I was just curious because you start thinking um, just how complex this really becomes if you want to do it well. 
Um, yeah. And so what you're also trying to do though, is you're trying to look and say, how are companies really going to navigate that chasm of going from this you know, customer success model that's very human driven, you know, uh, one customer success manager to six employees and, or six uh, customers in some cases to even 200 or 100, right? Now we're going to be operating in, in such a different way. Um, and a lot of the value that we're going to be delivering, or maybe I'll say it like this, a lot of the value that we've delivered up until now, I think could be delivered programmatically. So how does that evolve what the customer success manager actually does to deliver the value? That's is like such an interesting question. Yeah, I think... I think part of the manager's leader's job is to help um, individual contributors understand that they can be part of that new world. Jeff, you just encapsulated exactly what the future is going to be. It's not going to be hiring legions of CSMs to each have five accounts. Um, there will be that for probably forever, the top echelon of customers, because that's what they're, those people, those kinds of customers expect. And they, they probably deserve it because of the amount of investment they're making. But for the vast majority of accounts, that's not going to be possible. And so if I'm a CSM, I'd want to know how should I be thinking about the future? I love this role. I love the, the organization. I love the customer success practice. And I want to be part of the future where that can be beneficial to all the rest of the customers. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but I imagine... You know, Jeff, what you just said, AI is going to play a big role. And I've, I've been saying this in a number of speaking engagements at conferences and stuff that the, the shift, the cultural shift needs to happen to become more scientific, right? So, and, and I think most CSMs are capable of adopting more data-driven kind of mindset within their own accounts. I think there's lots of room to do that within their own set of accounts, but to also maybe participate in helping drive the digital practice by, by providing um, good ideas, good guidance of what works, what doesn't work, and maybe what can be done in a more modular fashion, more automated way. Don't resist that. I would recommend to people just embrace it because that's where the future is. And, and if you really love the practice of helping your customers achieve successful outcomes, you should want to embrace really that scalable digital model part of that. So, so Peter, let's jump back to the, um, to the program that you're building because I'd love to hear, like, hear more about it. What are the criteria? What are the, what are the key things that you're focused on from the operational and the, and the leadership perspective within your, the program you're building? Yeah, so- it makes a good uh, leader at Oracle. <laughs> so, so when I think about operational, I, I think we'd want um, our teams, our managers of teams to have a dashboard that, that provides uh, a glimpse or, or I, you know, a display into how their team is doing for all the accounts in the portfolio uh, in terms of, you know, um, milestone achievement per account, um, but also, you know, what's, what are the, what's the retention What's, what's going on with renewals, obviously, and which accounts are, you know, maybe in a growth or expansion uh, area and who's involved in those things. You know, in our mind, we imagine, we know, not imagine, we know yeah. that whenever we have expansion conversations, sales needs to be a part of that and in a much more ownership kind of way, but we want, um, you know, involvement there. So for our manager, they need to have, um, a view into those activities as well. So it's not just about, um, you know, making sure the CSM is on top of the job of executing the service deliverable and, and that we can understand the health risk of customers and, and that the uh, appropriate kind of uh, playbooks are being triggered and all that kind of stuff. Those are all good. But at a higher business level, this is where we want the managers to start playing more of a role, is to, is to really have a much earlier view into the renewal propensity and be able to kind of make sure that the CSMs are, are well aware of their role and making sure that that, that renewal goes more frictionless and, and with a successful kind of outcome in the end. But we, we want to see our managers um, start operating more off of, off of the platform to drive those conversations, those weekly um, you know, team meetings. Um, and so we're going to encourage them to you know, uh, choose an individual to maybe highlight 
some certain accounts. So start behaving more like uh, some sales teams do. It's not. It's not. I don't. I wouldn't say it's you know universally adopted in the sales organizations that they do this, but I've seen it and I've been part of yeah. that. Yeah. Where sales teams have a much better kind of operating rhythm around yeah. looking at sales data forecasts and then having an account manager talk about stuff. And I think we need that more. We need more of that kind of sales operating rhythm. Yes. And I completely agree. within our teams. So, because I, at the end of the day, we're talking about data and people need yeah. to just be comfortable about looking at data, talking about data, defending decisions based on conclusive kind of data facts, you know? Yeah, we, Jeff and I just got done on a, on another live stream that we do every Wednesday. And we were talking about medic. You ever heard of medic? The, the sales qualification no, process. No. It's uh it's like one of these, it's, it was an, it was an older sales qualification uh, methodology developed by actually Brian Halligan, the guy who, oh, I, don't know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's the one who actually invented it, but I know he used it as, as they scaled PTC from like zero to got right. knows like a million dollars so and i'll I'll probably butcher it a little bit if i try to run through it but it's like what are the metrics who's the economic buyer what is the what are the decision criteria what's the decision process i actually know this uh, yeah yeah because btc executives came to a previous company and they implemented that yeah okay so but but i mean to your point and and i think the the beauty of that is the simplicity right if a csm can answer those yeah. five or six questions yeah. they you know they've done all the work to go figure out <laughs> what's yeah. happening in that account you can't know a lot of those things and be right about them if you haven't been in contact had the discussions so um i think when you talk about operations that really resonates with me because to me there's this confluence of operations that the habits that you have as a as a team or as a leader they really shape the outcomes and that is sort of like the culture of the business and yeah you lead by driving change to those operations by maintaining consistency in those operations it all very much goes hand in hand yeah i think and i think you said the right word there is consistency because if i always like to take the customer's point of view at the end of the day it's about them and their experience um and you know if you talk to them you guys do and i've i've talked to hundreds of customers and universally they'll say we just want an ease of experience we just want to be able to kind of get our answers and get good guidance uh, we don't want to talk to a ton of people um, we just want whoever we're talking to be really credible with good information that is accurate that we can operate with um, and and so you know factored into that then is is how do you make sure the csms are credible because obviously through training product training and that's what i'm big on and kind of own the program of, but I would like, one of the things I'm doing is making sure that whatever dashboard we're delivering to managers includes a view into all their teams uh, certifications, product certifications, because again, we have a a big portfolio of applications that our customers buy and CSMs, we're, we're encouraging them to take, get certifications in more than one or two of these products. It's a big ask. Some are doing it though. And so it's good for a manager to know at a glance, um, which, you know, what the accounts bought and, and where they're at in the adoption phase. And, oh, this other CSM has great experience in here. And this CSM is kind of overloaded with these other three accounts. Maybe I'll just kind of have the CSM kind of boost, or, you know, come in and, and boost that kind of adoption a little bit, just even help the CSM out a little bit. So having that kind of, uh, skills certifications um, kind of factored into the overall uh, capability of the team dashboard, I think is would be really helpful for managers. Yeah, that whole idea of having a scoreboard, yeah. if you go read The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni or Four Disciplines of Execution or Traction or yeah. uh, there's probably five others of these books, right, of just like operating methodologies for, for executives, they all have a scoreboard concept. Right. Yeah, and, you know, and, and Jay, it, it doesn't have to be divorced from personality Correct. or warmth or anything. Right. It's, it can still be very human. Yeah, uh, because I think the conversations can be much fuller and richer if if it's grounded in some sort of like empirical kind of 
data, some proof of what's happening. It could be good. It could be not so good. But let's yeah. have a conversation about this stuff, right? So. Yeah. It, there, there's a quote that I butchered last week. I, I tried to say this to my team and I butchered it. I'll see if I can get it out here. But if we have data, let's use data. If we're using opinions, let's use mine. <laughs> right? But I mean, it, it does make the awesome. discussion so much more, more rich. I can't remember who it was. I didn't know. Good one. I'm going to borrow it. Yeah, go for it, man. It's, um, it's a guy, it's, that's a good guy. It's so true, though, that like what you're saying about the operational rhythm, there's a couple of things that come to mind, too, right? Where. Uh oh, uh -oh. <laughs> man, it was going to be so good. Uh -oh. You oh, you're back. You're back, Jeff. Go ahead. Keep going. Uh oh. Um, all right. You can hear me now. Yeah. Yep. Nope. <laughs> <Man>, he's frozen. <laughs> well, we, we've started incorporating. Which is while while Jeff gets his internet act together over there, we started incorporating scoreboards in our management team. My yeah. like my management team. Yeah, good, good. And and it's just it's just we look at it for five minutes at the beginning. We look at the the customer success renewals. We look at support. We're going to be moving implementation data into those scoreboards. It's just a quick round, but it, it just keeps it top of mind for everybody. It's like okay, I'm going to be talking about this every week. So yeah, and and this is where. And, and, and Jay, this is where I think you, you'd appreciate this is where I see the leader uh, dimension kind of woven in. It's, it's, it, it's one thing for a manager to, to bring the, the score, scorecard up and the, or the dashboard and, and talk to the team about the information. But the, the leader ones, the ones with the real leader brain will start telling maybe some stories around how this data is tying into, you know, the strategy of the, of the organization or the company. Um, because, you know, we at the last all hands, the EVP of product talked about the next six months or 10 months of development. And you know what, this data is kind of like pointing in this direction, if you look at it this way. And so I think that's the kind of conversation a leader would really be really great at kind of stimulating. And that's a way of like this, what I call informal education, informal training that uh, an enablement program like mine can't easily do. Um, so we have to rely on the leaders out there to take that knowledge and the knowledge that they augment themselves with, with their own kind of independent reading and yeah. observing, and then incorporate it into the way they manage your teams. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's gotta be modeled. Go ahead, Jeff. The other two things, the other two things that I was just thinking about too, along those same lines is, um, knowing when to stop having meetings. Sometimes yeah. we get into the recurring meeting death uh, cycle oh, yeah. of death where you, totally. you start all of a sudden it going and then all of a sudden you're showing up and you're like okay is this really you know this is really accomplishing anything here and so i think if you have like again i think when you you find great people and they're like hey we're going to stop having this meeting because it's not effective like we're going to you know wait until it is and i think that the other thing that comes to mind too is um trying to make sure that you're also um continually looking for more leading indicators of like metrics that you're looking at right um, a lot of times you know we might be looking at um, renewal data or retention forecast or things that, you know, sometimes are already baked out. And so then what you're trying to always consistently do mm -hmm. is how do we get ahead of that? How do we make sure that we're driving a good experience, which is going to lead to the renewal, which is going to drive up retention, right? So how do you, like you said, tell the story, but also yeah. how do you consistently look ahead to try and say, Hey, what can my teams impact on a daily basis that can drive X, Y, and Z to happen for the business? Yeah, and that's and that's where some senior CSMs who've been around for, you know, in our case, we've got CSMs who've been in, at least in the business world for 20 to 30 years, that's yeah. when they can apply their wisdom and, and really help uh, the model grow. Yep. So you, you're right. I mean, renewals, um, you know, those are like you know, lagging indicators in the sense of, of how well the company counts doing that. But, you know, um, someone who's been through uh, working with a partner, watching the implementation, overseeing that, watching the go live, you know, handling being the kind of single point of contact for all these service requests and getting people over these escalations. And that's trialed by many fires. And, and that can really build up scar tissue that can, in a good sense, be tapped later on to help uh, improve more of a, a programmatic approach to figuring out which accounts are going to be more successful or renewing because they haven't experienced these things as much. You know, maybe maybe the go live um, uh, went pretty smoothly. We have an executive sponsor who's very engaged. Uh, the relationship's good. Those are all good health indicators. 
but maybe there's other factors that a very seasoned CSM would say, well, we should also think about these other things. Um, you know, where they are in their own market, the customer, you know, yeah. how well they're doing as a business, those sorts of things. I think those are hard for a, a strategy team or an operations team operating in a lab to build out a model. That's when the, the more serious, not serious, more seasoned CSMs can really impact uh, the business. And I would really encourage people to think that way. And that's where the leader kind of thinking comes in. And it is up to the leaders to draw that out yeah. because the other thing that can happen is when, I, mean, I guess maybe on the flip side of what you just said, Peter, people can get sort of jaded and, and down into like, well, this is always what happens mm -hmm. when XYZ, which may be true, but the leader's job is to draw, okay, well, when that happens, like what could we do differently to actually stop it from happening? Or could we do something differently six months earlier to go prevent that from happening in the first place? Like, what would that be? And I think leaders have to really understand the data, the, the, the different segments of customers so that they can look at that and say, okay, where's our biggest problem right now in terms of whether it's yeah. retention or yeah. and, expansion? And I get faced with that pushback a little bit sometimes when I talk and people say, well, we tried that before. And I say, yeah, did you try it when we're fully cloud? Did you try it when all of our customers are on SaaS applications? Did you try it and just suck at it? <laughs> like, that, seriously, like you, you might have not tried very well because you've never done that before. And you, you right. just did it after one time. Guess what? Somebody else has actually done it successfully before. So, yeah, so let's learn I, from that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. So, yeah. So real quick before we wrap up, Touch on this Mavericks program. Oh yeah, uh, right. That y'all have watched because yeah. it's pretty cool. It's it's uh, it's uh, it's actually tied a little bit to leadership when you think about it because um, and this is really Catherine's brainchild. Uh, she's she's really uh, uh, you know she's really sensitive to culture and what she's trying to do is create a culture of collaboration. And these are cliches. We all use these words, but I think she's trying to really gen be genuine about creating an environment where people feel they can collaborate, um, you know, generate ideas together outside this, the boundaries of their, of their structure of their formal teams. So it's an organization-wide uh, effort and it's called Mavericks. And it really um, focuses on three things. Uh, I just, I, yeah, three, three kind of characteristics that she's trying to drive, which is like grit, she calls it grit, swagger, and disruptive. So these are the behaviors she wants to kind of promote, um, you know, tenacity, perseverance, but really disruptive is a really good one because she wants to challenge always the status quo, stuff we just kind of talked about, things that were have always been done. Do they always still need to be done that way or are there better ways to do things? So she encourages the conversation across the organization. And, and so this is all operating, uh, at a flat level. So she's got people like me and a few others who are not at the most senior level kind of managing or uh, leading these various initiatives. For example, um, you know, Oracle has a big corporate mentorship program like most companies do. Um, and at the team level, they run their own kind of small um, mentor shadowing kind of processes, I'll call them where you know, new CSMs will buddy up with another CSM and, and that's fine. But there's a, there's a middle ground that's never been really addressed um, for customer success, meaning uh, how, does, how do people um, grow their themselves and their ability to be great CSMs? Uh, they can't do it in the Oracle program. They can't even do it within their team because it's too, it's too limited. Um, so I've designed this mentorship program with an app. We've got an app. Um, that matches up uh, volunteers, people who want to be mentors and people who want mentoring. So mentees and mentors can jump on this app. The mentees look at, okay, these mentors are all listed and they say they, they are willing to be mentors for these various kinds of career building, career um, development kind of ideas, like, you know, professional presentations or, you know, how do you manage, how do you, how do you create a great kind of um, profile for yourself on LinkedIn. How do you kind of use communities better? That sort of stuff, which is more around building a brand and really being great at evangelizing your own, you know, your own development, your own career. So those things are all kind of listed, and then they just 
um, choose someone and we, we limit it to a mentor can only have three mentees at any particular time when they run in like two month periods and at the end of two months we wipe it off and they start over again if you want to be another mentor again then go ahead register for it so it's just starting but it's received a lot of like acclaim people love it and and i think it's really hitting that sweet spot of current customer success career development within our organization and Catherine's really excited about this. so that's just one initiative and there's other initiatives that we started around a newsletter that uh, i edit a lot of the thought leadership stuff, but there's all the news news that the, the organization needs to know about uh, various kind of practices and tactics and that kind of stuff. So that's all part of the newsletter. Uh, we've redesigned the all hands to make them a lot more fun. There's music and stuff like that. And, and oh it's, man, it's, it's really I have to get some tips from you on that because we, <laughs> we're always trying to. We started out like very sterile, like let's look at the business metrics once a quarter. And everybody was like, yeah, we, the worst yeah. all hands meeting ever. It's, so, it's, it's important. It's important to point out, Jay, uh, that all this Maverick stuff came from an employee success uh, survey that we did. Oh, cool. Catherine drove across the organization. It was pretty, it was a detailed survey and everyone, a lot of most people responded. And so we just had a small tactical team look at the dive into the data produce you know, a PowerPoint presentation for the executives about all the findings and all the percentages and all that kind of stuff. And then from that flowed a lot of conversations which flowed into these initiatives. And, and then, so we're doing another survey soon. We're hopeful that the next one will produce even like great, like more positive. It's not that it was negative. It's just like, there was a lot of ideas people had for what was weak or what were the gaps and we're hopeful it closed a lot. But we're also hopeful that maybe a new stuff's being exposed yeah. too, right? That's great. I mean, it's it's awesome to hear that a hundred thousand person plus organization is innovating their yeah. customer experience, sure, but their employee experience. It makes such a huge difference. And none of us can afford not to, yeah. no matter how big or small we are, because there's so much competition for people. Yeah. And one more initiative I want to mention is uh about Slack. So we use Slack for messaging, of course. And uh like a lot of companies do. But what we did was created a, a little team that's focused on how can we improve our the way we leverage Slack as a communications vehicle, but also as a kind of cultural building mechanism. And, and so we're, we're focused on what are the, not just the tactical stuff like right naming of channels and all that kind of stuff, but we also brought in the our Slack CSM uh, for a 90 minute, um, so one thing I do, I created these knowledge cafes I run once a month or so, and I host them and I brought them in for 90 minutes, whole organization joint. And he, all he did, he used Slack to just show, he was demonstrating, he was answering questions. It was, it's been our most popular knowledge cafe in a year and a half. Wow. <laughs> that is cool. I mean, there's probably so many little tips and tricks you can use. It was to incredible. Engagement, especially with everybody being remote. Is everybody yeah. still remote at Oracle? Yeah. Yeah. Oracle. We're still all remote. Yeah. There's a there's one one I was gonna throw your way too, Peter, that we just did because uh, I like doing stuff like this too. Like I like trying to figure out, uh, just like you were saying, right? Doing like an internal newsletter. Like we just started doing something for um, our education knowledge base and our community where we start sending out stuff internally so people have links. They know when stuff's coming up. Like they can send it to customers. Um, we just did a survey that first time I'm trying it, but we just did a survey about four questions. Anybody who's customer facing can take it. And the questions are all centered around like, hey, what, what's something that important that you feel like you've talked to your customer about in the last 30 days? Um, and so we're kind of leaving it open-ended right now. We're probably going to get the survey maybe a little bit more crisp in the future. But the idea is how can we continue to, to allow our teams who are on the front lines talking to customers, kind of share those insights a little bit more broadly so that we can then create the right content. We can create the right thought leadership and kind of spin it back around and say, hey, and you can go share this with your customer now and get this back out. That's fantastic, Jeff. It's good to hear because I was on a call this morning with one of the CSMs who I'm mentoring, um, and he was asking for ideas on how he can kind of grow his uh, presence uh, in the organization. How can he become more visible? So I'm, I've given him some ideas, and one of them was kind of related to what you just said. You know, sharing. Sharing is this, probably the simplest thing. You know, you've been in this role for a number of years. You've got tons of information, lots of experience. Don't be shy. Like the this is where the leader thing comes in, right? And so, and it's also important to state that the leadership development program isn't just for managers and, and executives. It'll be for everybody. Well, not everybody. It'll be for 
those formal roles, but also there'll be specific top talent that will probably tap into there as well, or ask them to be part of this training too. So. Another, another one to give you for that person is um, spending a little bit of time to write like a one page memo for a problem that maybe doesn't even live on your team. Um, just to get your name to other people. I heard that from somebody recently where they said, Hey, I heard about a challenge in another team. And I just kind of spent, you know, 20 or 30 minutes kind of ideating, how would I go solve that if I was on that team or if I lived in that organization? And it wasn't like a done in a way to kind of stand up that person, right? It wasn't like they were sending it to the CEO or the bosses to say, Hey, you should do this. It was like sent to the person who's running the project or owning the problem and said, Hey, I had 20 or 30 minutes. I just wanted to give you some ideas you know, use these as if they're your own. Yeah, here's the a first wonderful... perspective, right? That's yeah, good. super helpful. Yeah, like just like pure, that. pure helpful. Yeah, that's Excellent. awesome. Excellent. Jeff, you've also talked about, I don't know if you want to talk about the source for this or not, but you've also talked about writing your own personal newsletter to people who are like, you know, you may, maybe want to influence them, maybe not. But I think that's a really cool idea too. It's like, hey, here's, here's three thoughts I had this week after working all week and sharing that yeah around. you know it's a lot of work it's a lot of work but it's uh i think it's if you've if you've got the energy it's a great outlet you know? yep especially a, a big organization i have to feel like you know like when you've when you've got organizations that are really big and broad um you know how can you make a name how can you make sure that people you know can kind of get around hear different stories hear different things like i think that's an awesome idea to spend a little bit of time doing that um, there was, there was one, uh, Jay and I follow a podcast in the, one of the guys worked at Amazon and he talked about one of the ways he stood out is he went to the distribution list and he basically just found everybody who was on like a vice president level, which is the level he was on. And he, you know, I don't, he didn't know him, you know, he doesn't know all hundred, I don't know, thousand of them. I don't know how many, there's probably 10,000. So, uh, but what he said he did is he did a one, two, three, where he said, I would share like my, my, uh, one thing I was going to do that weekend the two, you know, business thoughts that I had and like the three tweets that I saw that really impacted, you know, my uh, thinking that week. And so what he yeah. just said, it gave people a glimpse into the way I thought. Like he said it. it started started to approach him about projects to work on it. It's like he he's like, I kind of became a mercenary because they were kind of like, hey, can you come work on this project? And so he kind of got to pick and choose. So I think it's a similar thing you were talking about. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. All right, Peter, this has been awesome, man. Really excited to follow yeah what you're, uh, what you're doing there and, and maybe we'll have you on as you continue to yeah roll i'd love to circle back at some point and let you know the progress maybe show you some stuff yeah that would be great Any, anything anything that we could share like a tool or a template that comes out of it would be huge okay but any anything you can open source you know it, i mean the the ganger retain community at least eats that yeah. up as you know yeah so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah thanks for taking your time to do this this is a lot of oh, fun you're welcome and i got to give you guys credit fantastic job you've done with the community in the last uh, especially in the last year year and a half it's been amazing good to see thank you well we're really proud to have you as part of it and hopefully other folks from oracle as well so yeah just keep plugging away consistently okay. you know thanks for the opportunity guys all right we'll talk soon. to you soon peter Take care. have a great afternoon you too bye-bye bye-bye Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.